hello, welcome to Robin Ince and Josie Long's utter shambles. I'm um, sorry, uh, last time you said that it was going to become Josie Long and Robin Ince's utter shambles. That's, d- that's exactly what I just said. You said Robin Ince and no. Josie Long's. Oh, okay. There we go. Sorry. So welcome to uh, Josie Long's utter shambles. I am playing the part of Josie Long, a whining 20-something-year-old uh, who is uh, unhappy with her life because she's got poor billing. What is this? This is uh, one of the great... It's, it's like the uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford thing. Whoever's name is first is actually lower on the poster and whoever's name is second is higher on the poster, thus creating uh, an egalitarian podcast. Anyway, hello. Welcome to Utter Shambles. This is its kind of the third series. It's almost the second. The second series of Utter Shambles. Uh, I am joined by... Obviously joined by, because her name is above the title of the show, uh, Josie Long. Hello, Josie Long. Hello, Robin Ince. Now, Josie Long, you've been... Uh, uh, talking about all the way up the stairs you, are you on one of your fatty diets again I, I declined to answer that because it would make it seem like I was whereas actually I'm just doing a little bit of maintenance right because you did go on a fatty diet and you I ended did. up really angry didn't you for a I while I did it ruined my personality you I've were insane about how you carry your joie de vivre around the middle and then and then I lost that but I don't know well, it's very difficult my, my mother used to um used to give praise with sweets, so it's very difficult to be normal after that system's been established. But how many, because we've got, I should also have Ben Goldacre with us, who has a been... medical uh, doctor. Medical doctor Ben Goldacre, who has been feigning excitement as he's listened to various different recipes involving red cabbage. He asked me about recipes, so I decided to dispense some of my Carol Vorderman detox plan-based wisdom. But the, um, when it comes to, where, how do people know what is, uh, can they work out what's kind of, strange faddy new age nonsense and what is actually practical uh you know because as far as i can see basically it's really obvious isn't it don't eat lots of rubbish yes. eat yes. things that have grown in places which are not evil laboratories owned by colonels and chickens yeah and i think people want things to be complicated don't they because if, if something's sort of complicated and new then that explains why you didn't previously eat any vegetables and fruits and now you it's like oh i didn't know that i had to have a handful of brazil nuts every day to avoid being sufficient in selenium you've learned me something there now i know that i will change my life you know that's a bit better than just telling people over and over again and Uh, and there's no there's no get out people are really conditioned to want treats in bars and packet form so if you've got health treats in a if it's like a food bar nutrisa bar even though it's actually just dates but actually, which isn't that good for you, really? There's a risk in that, which is... I mean, for, I think it also reflects the, the, the fact that people want kind of commodified solutions to, mm. to health and social and political and personal problems. But but also, um, I think... I can't remember what I think. I haven't really been to bed yet. I think... This is the section of the programme called Commodified Questions. <laughs> commodified Answers. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was half an insight there. But no, it'll come to me. See, that's what I don't say. That here we are. We're meant to, you know, read your column and believe, somehow trust your medical knowledge. And yet you're a man who hasn't had any sleep with crazy hair like the seventh Marx brother. I mean, how how can we trust someone like you? It's who's actually <laughs> creating this image of the crazy doctor? I've noticed recently in photoshoots you've gone for the wide-eyed stare, which suggests megalomania. That's actually the worst thing about my own peculiar level of sort of d-list public intellectual micro fame is i don't you probably get this a lot people coming up to you when you look really shit and you've just gone out to get a burrito and trying to take your photo which you know they'll put on facebook of you with bad hair mm. 
Burrito Shame of Medical Doctor. <laughs> Has that been published yet, the Burrito Shame of Medical Doctor? <laughs> Could we uh, say to everyone listening, if you would like to uh, wander around London and if you do see a crazed haired medical loon tucking into something which looks uh, inappropriate, it may well be Dr Ben Goldacre I'd like and to we can start- track him down. I'd like to start a Twitter hashtag where people pretend they've seen you at various burrito chains across London. <laughs> just just seen Dr. Ben Goldacre with a burrito. Hashtag Goldacre burrito. Asking for extra cheese. <laughs> the dairy obsessed fool. So do you get, Ben, into... I mean, how much trouble do you get into in terms of... I mean, we won't talk about... Obviously, there was the... the well, the Matthias Rath case is one of the, <laughs> the most fascinating ones. You probably bored... Are you bored of talking about it? We don't have to talk about that, but... No, Matthias no, Rath, because it actually sounds... First of all, he had the name of a supervillain, uh, like which helped, yeah. and you were... you were, Well, you pretty were dragged through the courts over this one, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, it was a real drag for sort of 19 months or something. He was, um, he was taking out full-page adverts in national newspapers in South Africa saying... Uh, the answer to the AIDS epidemic is here. Why should South Africans continue to be poisoned by um, antiretroviral drugs, which were a conspiracy by the pharmaceutical industry to kill black people? Uh, and the answer to the AIDS epidemic was here, and obviously it was um, vitamin pills. And yeah, but no offence, Ben, we've all done that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I've done that. I've yeah. done it for a laugh in Namibia. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got psoriasis? Why not try Josie Long for your Milky Ways? That, that was uh, your big campaign, wasn't it? Was it was a good campaign. It was a good. I murdered a lot of innocent people. God. Anyway, sorry. I, I don't know why I needed to lie. So, w- when you were going through that court case, was the one side of you that was kind of uh, obviously it must have been reasonably horrible, but also another side going, "Look at me! I'm I'm a crusader. I'm like Jimmy Stewart in a 1930s film defending these people." Did it actually turn you into perhaps an arrogant medical doctor for a while? My narcissistic sense of personal melodrama certainly saw me through some of those long barristerial meetings. But you know, I think that's more than all right if what you're doing is fighting to stop people being needlessly uh, <laughs> needlessly um Something killed bad by happens. AIDS. <laughs> I think you're allowed I think I don't mind if people are narcissistic. I, I don't mind if people are sh- like shockingly vain if what they do in like if you're a shockingly vain nurse and what you do is, you know, help people to survive, go for it. Just tends to mostly just be cunts who are shockingly vain. Really? Just because you heard that we might be able to use that word, Joseph. <laughs> you had to use let that. it out. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an idiot. We all know that. <laughs> the um, but, but this is what I've, I find quite interesting. At the moment is there is a certain. Uh, it seems I might be wrong, but in the newspapers there seems to be uh, a collection of journalists, and there are people that you've talked about before, uh, not necessarily individually, who ha- have this kind of fear of science and rationalism and want to call it a religion and a faith, and that just because your ideology uh, is an ideology of, of of medicine and curing doesn't mean that an ideology of waving nettles over a well is not equally uh, in a kind of relativistic way a, a good way of purifying water why do you think those kind of that's happening at the moment do you think this is more this is happening more this kind of fear where they go well I mean science is just a religion I think there's always been bullshit around and there's probably always been bullshit in newspapers um, so I, I just I don't know I think <sighs> There's certainly more medical stuff in newspapers generally, and I think there's certainly there seems to be a sense that 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 I think maybe our expectations of our health have kind of changed, and we 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 we, we feel entitled to firstly live in a kind of in a state of sort of permanent enthusiasm and and high energy and cheerfulness, 
which is a noble aspiration. Um, but secondly, also, I think our expectations of um, the predictability of death have changed. I think in the in the sort of 1960s and 70s, there was a a, 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 a shift in in what mainstream medicine. This isn't very funny, but there's a shift in what there's a shift in what mainstream medics um, realised about. Uh, what people were dying of. Basically, people stopped dying of infectious diseases and big stuff like that, and they started dying of chronic diseases. Um, and people started looking around for reasons why this was happening. And the first one we came across was uh, smoking causing lung cancer. And this was an amazing discovery. 95, 98% of all lung cancer caused by cigarette smoking. And it became this paradigmatic example, the classic case of an epidemiological discovery and a public health intervention. Smoking causes cancer, stop people smoking, and you'll stop them dying. And the problem is that it's a, is a set of one. So we started running around trying to find other examples of really common lifestyle choices and really serious health outcomes like dying of lung cancer, and we never found any. And I think to an extent my profession, both medicine and epidemiology, and I'm a very sort of junior epidemiologist now, that's kind of medical stats, um, we sort of over-promised. So Professor Sir Richard Dole, who saved literally millions, perhaps even hundreds of millions of lives by saying, by discovering that smoking causes cancer, um, wrote in the introduction to his book, The Causes of Cancer, in 1981, that over half of all cancers would turn out to have a specific dietary cause. And he was wrong. We haven't been able to pay out on that promissory note. The, the evidence for that hasn't come in. And so I think we over-promised, and now... People quite rightly go to their GPs saying, well, you know, I came here, you know, this is my one-stop shop for health. I've come for my health MOT. And then they're told, well, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't get too fat, try to eat some fruit and veg. And quite rightly, like, they kind of say... How can I do that? That's like a once a day thing. <laughs> I can't do it. I just want you to tell me, get rid of this, do this, done. So how do you make things, though, more superficially exciting, which actually do have some point to them? You see, if that's what we're after, if we just after our kicks. Draw a little face on some broccoli. So you think anthropomorphism yeah. is the main secret and then for put improving a little, diet? Press a little button so it goes. Please, God, don't bite my head off, please. That that is isn't there some cool to me like for a child? there is some kind of uh, vegetable gang now, isn't there? Cartoons are still the cure, aren't they? Oh, do you mean food dudes? Yeah, that's quite good. Like a public health intervention to get people to eat more vegetables, but can also have a side effect of leading to accidental cannibalism. That, that's that's one of the dangers of anthropomorphism. Please don't bite can... my head off. Oh, I forgot it was a boy. I yeah, well, was... broccoli talk. So why can't I also eat this old lady? I um I t- took magnesium pills for a long time because I'm a woman and therefore have right. Oh, please, Josie, can... call it Josie, by its proper description. The curse. Wash my hands. Sometimes they can affect you. Right, okay. Sometimes, and that's annoying. So that is when your brain is actually cursed. Not your yeah. bra- Sometimes you feel like they might affect your life in some ways. And I thought, oh, I wish they could never, ever affect my life. And the reason I took magnesium is because, against my better judgment, I read a lot of Take a Break magazine. And sometimes it just seeps in. They'll be like, a health box. And they're always <laughs> just p- like PR for... Um, for supplements and stuff. But sometimes you're like, well, magnesium, okay. This woman from... Uh, from Bradford looks a lot happier now it happened to me 500 pounds me now I'm like wow magnesium and breast implants bring (laughs) a woman happiness I've checked the escalators of London I've started scribbling on them again and they just keep don't admit now because this will come back to you the police will find out I'm not afraid I'm not afraid bring it on I, I don't need well I'd like to be able to go to America in future 
So I don't, I'd rather not have a co- c- uh, comedy record. record. But tell you what I've started doing. I've started spitting at Stringfellows and oh. Spearmint Rhinos. I've started just emptying whatever drink I'm drinking at it as I walk past it through the door. And I do find that very cathartic. And if you're a woman who, for the obvious reasons which I don't need to explain, thinks that things like Stringfellows and shit like that is bullshit and horrible, um, I would recommend just spitting on it and put, putting your water on it as a starter before I organise into oh. more more dramatic measures. But it's that's very fasting. surly. I'd rather you left broccoli on it. Because do you know what? People I want won't to notice be surly. spit outside spearmint running. But wouldn't you be put off going to some kind of strip bar if there were just some rotten vegetables just near the door? It's one, it's more elegant and has more artistic people... potential than you spitting everywhere. I don't want to put people off. I want to channel my righteous anger at them so they know that I am angry. And you don't think it empowers women doing a dance? <laughs> Well, How me doing a dance with my fingers outside. That sounded weird. I meant swearing at it. Right, I don't know okay. what I'm saying. We'll take a photo of your finger gesture and place it on the website so people know. Yeah. Um, yes, so I brought you, some yeah, no, so to you, show. Well, we will have, we'll find out. But um, you, what are you writing on? Which posters are you writing on and why? Oh, you can tell them broadly. Well, there's the Harley Street medical Oh, they're back ones. again. They said, like, yeah, the sexist there's shit, one so, that says push-up yeah. bras, not enough. No. Uh, yeah, a push up, push. I saw it today, and I wanted to write, but the man was watching me, and I thought, oh wait. But there's one that says push up bra not enough, and it's a woman, and I just, I just feel like having that on a daily basis, seeing that on a daily basis, is quite negative and horrible, and I feel like it, it's, it's depressing that that's so normal yeah normal. that push-up bra thing really annoys me because is she me. is not a looker <laughs> and when i see an advert for breast implants she I should want at also, least be good looking. yeah I, I want someone that's really smashing but um as well i'm depressed by the fact that even on this podcast which is our podcast i feel like i'm tempering my opinions because if i dare say the fact that i think it's fucking bullshit i know i'm gonna get loads of people saying that i don't care about freedom of speech or that i should let people live their life blah 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 and it's just like any time that i want to take action about things that i genuinely believe in i feel like well get ready for the backlash you know like even on my twitter if i say something like it's really depressing that people change their names when they get married i get people being like you bitch and i'm like well it is depressing. Well, should they get Twitter's married really, um, should they get married well it's not even a question of should it's just a question that is a bit depressing that people aren't trying to change the system okay then so Ben let's leave that little lady to uh, stew and her <laughs> juices but a quick question before we see what Joe's done is it right that um, doctors in the old days had sugar pills aspirin and uh, a glove to masturbate women who were thought to be hysterical oh I didn't know about that have you got a reference for that? And is it? Uh, it's uh, obviously not a primary uh, reference. It's uh, from I think it's in uh, that book, um, Histories, uh, which is a look at hysteria by uh, Elaine um, Showalter. Showalter, yes. Uh, oh, Elaine Showalter. And that's quite uh, that has one of my favourite stories in it, which is when John Charcot uh, used to uh, get the most hysterical women he could to stand in front of a panel of people and go, look how crazy she is. And women became very competitive over that. Uh, and people would overly pretend to be hysterical and desperately they would be chosen. <laughs> and as we know, society hasn't changed and it's desired <laughs> to see those things. But I do, I like the fact Nothing. that people would come in and go, oh, we wait till you see how I I'm going to look like I'm going to be really hysterical. Also, men with flabby testicles, uh, it was believed, could be hysterical. Far out. I believe they're hysterical because someone's finding out how flabby their testicles are. We'll talk about that from other secondary sources later. Josie, you brought it. So you don't know about that? No. So no. you don't have to do that anymore? <laughs> no, I'm not. You don't have to own a magic glove. Lecture. 
Uh, Maybe that's why so many of your patients are unhappy. I went in there very simply to have my melancholy cured by Ben Goldacre manipulating me with a magical glove. He gave me a sugar pill. So it only had trace sugar in it. Right. Ben Goldacre just pulled an an intensely weird face. He looked looked like... um, I'm feeling slightly disgusted and uncomfortable. Your face was being manipulated by a hand from behind. Coming off the side of my face. If anyone knows if that is true, it was just I, I, it was one of those kind of. Uh, I was reading a book which also had a, a piece about uh, a doctor who, again, I can't remember the name of, who came up with a, a new kind of cure for aging. And in his display to uh, a group of doctors, show how much healthier he was after he was taking this cure. Uh, one of the things he showed, he said, "Now look at me urinate," and he showed the arc of his urine and see see how high that was. Last month it was down here. Now look, and everyone was going, "Wow." You have a very wide urethra. Yeah, that's really impressive. Normally an old man's wee would merely just kind of, you know, collapse out onto the street. But here, look at that fine arc of youth. So, Josie, what have you brought with you? I have brought three things. Uh, The first one is this book that I bought. No, it was free, actually, from um, Houseman's. What was it, a pound? I got it from Houseman's. Right. Um, And it's, uh, it used to be... Was it on the table outside? Yeah. I'm a big fan of the table outside of bookshops. It's always where the magic lies. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's got the names of all the girls who used to, um, who had it for the year. Uh, Janine Curtis, who somebody ri- somebody's written in The Hog. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Janine Curtis. Um, and there's three or four pages of, of them all glued on top of each other of girls who borrowed it. And it's The Heroes by Charles Kingsley. And it's all about kind of Greek... Uh, Legends and it's got kind of Charles Kingsley, who was a big fan of uh, Charles Darwin, I think, wasn't he? Charles, was it Kingsley who wrote the Water Babies? Uh, yeah, I think he did write the Water I th- Babies. I think he was also uh, in the Water Babies. There are certain uh, uh, nods to Darwin in that. But what I find really delightful about it is, it's this little old book, and it's kind of survived. Firstly, it survived ten, twenty years of. The whole. girls yeah well girls using it and it's got remarkably little graffiti in it except for on the front page Charles Kingsley someone's drawn an eye patch a moustache and a beard on him <laughs> so that they've they've kept their criticism very specific and um, also I just found you know yeah all I talk about is feminism whatever but um, I was just thinking about generations of these girls having to read this book called The Heroes which was all about Greek men and none of you know the heroes. None of them are like about women. Well, we have previously just of course, to read it over and over again. Hypatia. Yeah, uh, but they... and uh, I, I realise you know in terms of uh, heroes, not quite ancient times. Sixteen uh, one thousand six hundred years ago isn't ancient times, is it really? But she was the uh, last librarian of, of uh, Alexandria. The last she... librarian of yeah. Mm. One of my like favourite librarians. Nerd. Yeah coolest nerd here ever but I was just imagining generations of these girls and why they'd graffitied his face because they're all like and why hasn't he got got a cock in his mouth because that's what any book at my school would have well that's the difference between boys and girls (laughs) Um, and also I've got this that I found pass me the book I'll have a look while you're talking about your next thing I found this on the floor um, by the London Eye and it's the last page of a love letter Oh, no, you can see a bit of a cock coming out from under the eye patch. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's the last page of an eye, of, a, of an eye patch, of a love letter. <gasps> Sorry, how did you not mention this? The general editor of this series of books was, you know when you just go names that no longer exist? Sir A.T. Quiller Couch. <laughs> there are, are there any Quiller Couches? I wonder if any Quiller Couches oh, are listening if you are a Quiller, Quiller Couch. Couch. And uh, that's a great name. 
Those uh, Peter Hitchens, uh, the journalist, once said that the reason the upper classes no longer existed was because they became too ridiculous to rule due to the satire boom of the 1960s. So it was all because of Jonathan Miller, Peter Cook, Dudley Moore and Alan Bennett who uh, eventually realised, I feel absolutely ridiculous, I'm leaving this maze and I'm not coming back. The quiller couches will not stain Britain again. Anyway, your next thing. And the next thing that you'd like to take to Desert Island that you found near a shop? Um, This is the last page of a love letter that I found on the floor outside the London Eye. And he's obviously done something really wrong. And his writing is... Graphology, I mean, that's not a science. But um, it's definitely... At the very least, he's not used to writing in English. Oh, golly. Yeah, and it's like, you make me feel like I belong and it... Oh, pains no. me oh, to see that I screwed it up. that you're reading this out. But he keeps saying no matter. So he goes, no matter if there is any other woman around, you drag my attention to you, I can't. I just can't resist it. No matter what happens, if I'm on a wheelchair or any state, you stand by me. And no matter what happens, or if in I'm 15 centimetres away or 15 miles or more, you're always in my heart. Do you think someone listening is going to go, hang on, I know that. That's number three at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I found the original lyrics of... I'd love that. So I found this, which I don't really have much to say about. I just found it like a fascinating little document. And then I have this from Pick Me Up, which is about a woman whose husband died um, really young. She's got two young kids. How do you justify Josie Long? The fact that you, as the intellectual face of stand-up comedy... I'm really not ...read your tatty supermarket magazines. Um, It connects me with my uh, very, very chavvy childhood. Oh, okay, That seems fair enough. (laughs) This is from Pick Me Up magazine. It's this woman, her husband died young and she's got these two kids. And what she did was got a life-size cardboard cutout of him. That's nice. It is really nice. And when you first read it, you're like, you bloody nut. (laughs) And then you read it and it's just the most beautiful thing. Like... He seems like this really jolly man and she took it along to his wake and he's holding champagne and he looks like he's going, hey, right? So then he... And it is 10 foot tall rather than life size. Yeah, yeah, is... slightly taller than life size. And um, basically the kids have kept the cutout and she's like, well, one day we'll get rid of it. But until then, might as well just have them around in the kitchen. It's, it's helping the kids deal with it. And I just, um, I was so enamoured with the story. I thought it was so unusual and sweet uh, that I thought I'd bring it in and just read it out well that ends the uh, the podcast on a very high note um, and if you uh, have been hanging around the London Eye uh, waiting to meet a girl <laughs> wondering why she hasn't answered your letter very beautifully written letter it's because <laughs> Josie not... Long found it no stole um, it no, and that's why no. your love life has collapsed um, I think you find I found the last page and it was folded up so it's obviously been separated from the other pages probably for good reason right and also a lot of the time with things like this for example when I went on the London to Brighton bike ride there was a man who had paid to have banners put up all along the bike ride Right, and the first one said, Eve, Eve, Zoe, I know I've made mistakes, but you've got to give our marriage another go. And it had a picture of him and her. Yes, exact, exact correct reaction, Ben Goldacre. One of absolute sort of terror at the man's psychotic behaviour. Correct? Bad behaviour. I would like the statistics on how many marriages which began by someone on a daytime TV show going, Jacqueline, we're not really here for you to have a makeover. We're actually here because I've wondered, will you marry me? And then they go, of course I will, uh, Tony. How many of those uh, have gone beyond five years? I don't know. It may well be all of them, but I just think that that is 
there's a lot of pressure in that situation, isn't there? Well, when Jeremy Kyle done the radio one, he went off with the women what won it. Whoa. Radio marriage thing. That wasn't very well explained. But, 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 uh, yeah, the, the banners going up the hill. And then there was a second one that was even more passive aggressive. None of them featured his name. It was all putting it on her, even though he confessed at the very beginning that he'd made mistakes. So, like, he was just humiliating this woman into taking him back. Awful. I don't know why I started ranting Well, about that's that. such a pity, because the show was going to end on a really high point about this beautiful oh, story in a cardboard yeah, cut cutout. Now we're stuck on the border between stalking and... Cut out everything success. I've said. I just sound thick. Well, look, here, there's your book back and your stolen love letter. <laughs> ben Gold, have you ever found anything good in a skip? Or just, like, left behind by anyone? Uh, yeah, yeah. I once went all the way to Ikea to get a wardrobe that they didn't have in stock. And then I went all the way back from Mitcham on the train to Brixton. And there, outside my block of flats, next to a skip, was the exact wardrobe that I'd gone to purchase. Really? Missing its doors, but still perfectly functional. It was amazing. Now that's brought us back to cosmic a very ordering. positive... Yeah, yeah. Posi- I didn't understand how cosmic ordering worked until I bought a book recently, very cheaply to read out in my book club show. Uh, and it is, I didn't realise it was just going, looking up at the sky and go, I want that. Your that is basically it, isn't it? Jerry Halliwell done it and she wrote a list which included, I am friends with George Michael, and then she put it in a box. And then 10 years later, she opened it and all of them had come true. But I thought it was like a kind of a cosmic ordering that you were creating some kind of order in your existence and then finding out it is like actually just being narcissistic demands well yeah no not yeah i couldn't believe that i'd like to place a cosmic order <laughs> i hope i have a hat by tuesday if any of you nebulae don't follow that through i'm gonna be pretty angry with the galaxy and the universe so there we go that's the banging down of a bottle uh though i think we've covered a lot of ground there uh who knows in the edit how much we've covered who knows how long the edit will be it's not live Thank you very much, Josie Long. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope that I'm not too much of a... A burden to me? Burden, absolutely. Do you know what I see you as? I see you as Drew Barrymore in the film Irreconcilable Differences. I'd rather be Drew Barrymore in the film Firestarter, where she's five years old and she can start a fire with her mind. Oh, yeah, that is uh, quite... Okay, I see you as that. I see you as... um, Can I just button now and say thank you for having me too, because otherwise I'll I'll be stereotyped as a sort of angry, hectoring nerd. Oh, what an arrogant man with his opinions. You you look like you told me off the other day with your eyes when I said, uh, in an introduction you were described as being quite angry, but you're actually quite jolly uh, looking at the world falling apart, aren't you? Yeah, no, I don't don't feel any sort of uh, anger or hatred towards the fuckwits and morons whose crimes I just document in detail. I don't feel like the world's falling apart. Deal with that. Bye bye. Deal with that. Cheerio. You've been listening to Robin uh, and Fat Yeah. Ah. You've been listening. No, I've just, I've just told you. You've ah. been listening. You've been listening to Robin Ince's Utter Shambles oh. with Ben Goldacre. And oh, like you're going to make the fucking edit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, right. You've been listening to Robin and Josie's Utter Shambles, edited by Mike Pell and produced by Adrian McKinder for Comedy Central. For more podcasts and other comedy-related stuff, visit comedycentral.co.uk slash podcasts. Now you can eat your cucumber. Don't want it anymore. <laughs>